Welcome to the Heart Hearth Earth podcast, where we gather around the metaphorical hearth to share ideas and conversations on matters of the heart, hearth and earth. Cross-pollinating as we span our wings, connecting the threads of ancestral wisdom. I believe ancestral wisdom provides a roadmap to a regenerative culture, contributing to thriving communities, healing and health. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians where I stand, the Biripai people, and all other First Nations people across this land. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another Heart, Hearth, Earth podcast. Um, today, I've got another New South Wales or Queensland local. Oh, wait a minute. I might have got Queensland. Queensland, East Coast local. Got Scott Hall here from Syntropia, um, who's a fourth generation farmer, artist, and inventor. And I'm pretty excited to have a chat with Scott about all things Syntropic and Regen Ag. Um, if they're new terms to you, don't worry, because we're going to get into it. And I really love the way that Scott um, shares and um, delivers information. So I think you'll get a lot out of this one. So welcome, Scott. Thanks for taking some time to have a chat. Oh, thanks very much, Shelley. My pleasure. So Queensland. All righty. Well, um, how about you give us a little bit of your background, where you are, um, how you came to this pathway of Syntropic and Regen Ag and, um, yeah, what you're doing on the ground farming at the moment. Okay. Well, I grew up farming. Uh, I come from out west, western Queensland. I grew up farming with my father uh cereal crops like wheat barley chickpeas peas mung beans etc and wool on broad acre and that was all well and good but it was not that inspiring because it was industrial ag even though my father was a uh, early adopter and leading change maker in no-till um uh, agriculture and and certain earthworks etc uh, and that's that's evolved um and taking its own course but uh yeah i did that for a while but uh it's only so much diesel and dust i can handle <laughs> and um <laughs> then uh so i but you know at the same time um this was the first critical phase for farming families in the bush where the economics of farming shifted to um favor um, agribusiness and very, very large-scale industrial operations and family farms began their first um, <clears throat> stage of withering. And so it was my generation that um, started to seek opportunities elsewhere. So we went and um, studied at uni and um, we we went and got trades, etc. And we were all sort of at that point where, yeah, okay, then it's time to leave farming. So, um, you know, and that's that typical um, situation where there's that um, social and economic decay in the bush. And so that's what I did and I pursued a career as an artist. But that got me to the point where um, all I was doing was really just padding out somebody's life with beautiful art and um, I wasn't making any difference in the world and you know there is very it's very difficult to express yourself as an artist 
uh, particularly with your the, the, uh, conscience. And so, um, you know, there are breakouts. You can publish magazines and make change, etc. But I'm more about actions than words. So um, I, I at, at a certain critical phase, at about 2006, I just figured that um, I have to just be a little bit more proactive about the crises that are accumulating and do something. And I just couldn't um, furnish the lifestyles of people who chose to buy art. I just figured that, yeah, sure, I can do a painting or a sculpture, but um, it's really not making any difference to my or other people's life and the future of our, you know, our future generations. So, I dove hard into permaculture, which I was always, you know, in- included, uh, um, involved with. But uh, you know, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm a, I'm a fourth generation farmer. It's in my blood. I've got know how. You know, this is just natural to me. And I saw that regenerating the landscape and then using that as a primary resource to um, support community was my role. Yeah, so I, I plunged myself into uh, primary production of regenerative nature and um, figured that the only thing that I could do is to um, use my background skills and heritage and, and, and natural ability um, to um, provide resources for community through regenerative agriculture, uh, a form of primary production on that level and um hopefully uh do my bit to um create uh, more positive options moving forward for everybody uh you know because if i can produce food and regenerate landscapes that can as it is you know we know it's a primary production so that can then support other economic activity which is hopefully lead to regenerative communities Mm, fantastic so is your main medium sculpture and painting when you're yeah yeah as an artist yeah yeah um, I want yeah. to go back to painting at some stage uh, and sculpture, but uh, I've got to finish some other important tasks first. Yeah, yeah, but it's always there, isn't it? It'll be interesting to see how your art evolves, like after really delving back into the agriculture side of life. Well, that's quite an interesting um, path from being out in the broad acre off to um, art and then, yeah, back again, but with a different twist on it and having that artistic mind as well I'm sure helps to think laterally and creatively it certainly does yes it's required for regenerative agriculture because it's process based such a shift in mindset isn't it yeah and it's a good exercise for all of us because it allows us to work both in our left and right brain and and bring out our best Mm, well that's what I was thinking you grew up you probably grew up with a lot of practical skills being out west on broad acre and then going off into art and really developing that creative side to bring those two together is pretty powerful. Yeah. Um, so for people that are still pretty new to the definitions, I think regen, regenerative, so when I say regen for everyone out there, regenerative ag um, or regen ag is a little bit more well-known as a term, but syntropic ag or syntropic agriculture is not as well known, becoming more so. Um, maybe we could do like a bit of a definition on the two and and um, how they're similar, but how there's some slight differences, and, but they work together really in synergy. Yeah, let's. 
Um, all right. Well, look, they're both ex- actually the same term. So okay, uh, cool. in, with meaning as far, but it's just a language thing. So syntropy right. means um, increasing mass, increasing life. Uh, it's the opposite of entropy. Mm-hmm. And anything that's regenerative is syntropic by nature. And every anything that's syntropic is regenerative by nature. Uh, so it's really that simple. It's just a term where you use ecology to um, power your process. Uh, any other type of input is um, external and uh, normally from industrial sources, even if it is a waste stream, it still comes from ultimately a toxic and destructive action. So that's just, it's really simple. It's, it's one and the same. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So we're looking at things that um, regenerate themselves through their functions and um, interactions rather than destroy and lose energy over time as industrial agriculture does. Exactly right. Exactly (laughs) right. And and organic is the same. Organic relies on external inputs, which are often a byproduct of industry. Um, You know, so it's in, in strictly strict terms, regenerative and syntropic are different from organic. Uh, and similar to conventional ag because you've got to go and get stuff and put it in the farm. Yeah, and there's a whole lot of and energy that's been used to get the stuff to put it on the farm. And exactly. A lot of external, and that does, external inputs. Exactly right, and that doesn't even include the energy that it takes to actually burn off and make the byproduct that you use for the input. Mm. Right. So, yeah, 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 yeah. This is all um, the inputs are generated in situ in the landscape as uh, part of an ecological process. Yes, I think this is a good distinction for people, and there is a place for organic produce, but organic can also be syntropic and regenerative, but it's not necessarily. If there's an organic label, it's not necessarily regenerative agriculture, although it could be as well. Um, And most organic labels say you're going to, you know, your health food shop or your supermarket and you're seeing an organic certified label. Most of that, well, some of that wouldn't be regenerative. It would be a lot of external inputs. Oh, indeed. Indeed, that's true. Uh, Like regenerative produce done the right way is organic by nature. Um, but it's, you know, it's funny, it's surprisingly hard to certify regenerative agriculture as organic, um, because the, uh, inputs into, uh, regenerative agriculture are 100% natural. And for example, we use hundreds of different tree seed varieties that you don't buy and you you actually go to the bush and get them, and you need to de- you need to certify everything that goes into an organic farm. And there's no allowance for your uh, the process of going to the bush and getting the seeds because there's uh. no paper trail there. Therefore, you can't qualify as organic because it's assumed that you're cons- you're a consumer. You're a pr- you're buying everything. You know, it's that input based mentality again. Mm, still that same economic model. Yeah, that's interesting. I um, started a degree in ecological agriculture many, many years ago at Charles Sturt Uni with, yeah. with Kerry Cochrane. Um, and oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So I followed this whole conversation around 
certification of regenerative agriculture or it was called ecological agriculture back then. But um, what are your thoughts on trying to get a certification for regen ag or do you think it's more about just breaking out of that paradigm and educating people to connect in with farmers and produce that is being regeneratively farmed? Well, that's a great question. Uh, I think that... <clears throat> that it's a paradigm shift, right? So what, I mean, like with, uh, you know, like, all right, so regenerative ag, syntropic ag, it's all based on the physical world, uh, which is determined by, you know, physical laws, um, you know, this largely the second law of thermodynamics, uh, where, um, you know, which is all, the, after the introduction, it's all covered in the uh, first chapter of the Permaculture Designers Manual. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're using what we call in holistic management yesterday's sunshine to produce nearly all foods, including organic certified, conventional organic. And so what we do is we, we're running at a rough deficit of about 10 to 1, where it takes 10 calories of fossil fuel energy to produce one calorie of food energy. And what we're doing is we're hitting, hitting limits and diminishing returns on that, uh, that economic, on, with those economics, uh, and scarcity is increasing. Plus, it's coupled with uh, diminishing returns on landscapes where the landscape is becoming increasingly degraded so you've got the withering base from your production side and then the increasing costs and scarcity in the input side. So certification starts to become, as you look forward through this prism, certification starts to become uh, less and less important where we just start to focus on food security. So what, what um, will happen is my prediction is that organic certification or certified organic um, produce is going to become less affordable to consumers because it requires a premium. Organic agriculture requires a premium because of the costs of input, etc. But we're hitting limits with affordability, consumer affordability, uh, because the diminishing returns across the board are affecting the bottom line of households. So essentially, we're hitting a food security issue. And so what I think is uh, with certification, we won't need to worry about that moving forward because we will be happy to get what we can. And um, regenerative agriculture will, is actually increasingly profitable, theoretically and practically. Uh, so... What it means is it can maintain economic viability through um, the rising input costs of the other types of ag. So um, we, it's a paradigm thing. So we, I, I'm personally not uh, attached to having a certification for regenerative because I'm just a food producer and I am a resilient food producer and I can produce food uh without too much being affected too badly by uh, the industrial economy. So um, that's the way I see it. So uh, I predict that organic uh, agricultural, organic produce will um, eventually reach the same price point as conventional, as conventional is more expensive to produce. And organic 
is going to suffer from um, lack of demand through via customer affordability, and they'll it'll go down in price as um, conventional ag goes up in price with its mm. produce as inputs increase. So we're left out to the side as a completely separate model, like we earlier discussed as far as inputs are concerned. So we maintain production without being affected so badly and then we will come forward as the main reliable food producer. Mm, yeah, interesting. So then because the regen ag um, methods don't require that external um, input that's going to keep rising in costs, then it's going to become the more affordable option. <laughs> yeah, the more vi- viable. And viable, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and vi- yeah. Long-term viable, yeah. Well, our, our inputs are largely management-based, so it requires what, you know, for lack of a better word, labour. It requires humans, mm. and humans are a resource that's been minimalised and reduced just to that robust of, you know, just a slither of our potential. Well, that's, I believe, will reverse. And the human, to invest in wages is the best way to um, pay for any input because it uplifts community. Mm, Yeah, interesting. It's completely holistically regenerative. Mm. So just for people listening, when you're talking, like just to give a real-world example, like an input on a conventional farm would be, all of your MPK, you know, all your fertilisers, your diesel for your um, machinery, organics, there'd be organic fertilisers, organic pesticides, there'd also be possibly a lot of um, diesel and petrol and things like that. But when we're talking regen, you're talking about a time frame of setup where you're creating your own organic biomass that's going to feed the system sort of like a forest will feed itself. A forest doesn't That's need right. anything except for rain and sunshine. <laughs> um, yep. And then it creates its own sort of cycle through microorganisms and organic leaf matter and decaying animals and that sort of thing. Exactly right. Nobody fertilised the great forests of the world. Yeah, exactly. So you're trying to – it's biomimicry essentially with a bit of um, – and humans as a part of the ecology – rather than externally trying to bring things in from the outside, but humans sort of managing and being a part of the ecology within that, um, the philosophy of what the way a forest runs. In that yeah, it's like Alan Savory said, you know, we've gone to a reductionist methodology where we've simplified everything into... Mm, yeah, yeah, definitely. We like to put things in boxes, don't we? And see ourselves as humans separate to a system rather than um, integral to the system. Hey, it's no surprise that when it comes to health, nutrient-dense foods are my priority. However, let's be honest, we don't always get the balance right. So when it comes to supplements, I like to use whole foods too. My kids and I have been using Saturay's liver and oyster capsules alongside the Greener Pastures cod liver oil for quite some time as a way to support our immune systems and ensure we keep our A, D, E and K vitamins up. You can check out my affiliate links in the show notes as a way to both support this podcast and yours and your family's health. So I guess it would be great to hear a little bit about the farming projects that you've worked on 
in the past that you're working on at the moment to give us a little bit of exam of an example of how that looks on the ground. Um, okay. With what you're producing, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I've made a decision to provide what I call base load staples. I produce the, as they say in the Portuguese, the comida, the, the, the food for the people. So it's your bread and butter, so to speak. Uh, so in my climate, the best, for my choices, the best uh, uh, crops are taro and banana. So this is what will keep bellies full. So I'm not interested at all in any premium type produce, you know, $5 bunches of kale or anything like that. <laughs> I'm completely uninterested in that bourgeois boutique approach. <laughs> I mean, Sorry, I'm trying not to laugh really. Oh, really. <laughs> look, laugh as much as you like because it's funny. Most you know, because it's I absolute... don't want to laugh over your words recording. <laughs> oh, I'm, I enjoy it. Um, it's fine. Uh, I, I completely understand. So... <laughs> You know, we've got to be viable. We've got to get our head out of the clouds and uh, just focus on maintaining structure all the way through our society of all, in all strata instead of just, you know, catering to, you know, boutique demands, which is completely, you know, vain and detached. So that's <laughs> what I'm doing. And uh, so I, I, I maintain a... Um, uh, an ecology, a forest ecology, vice entropic methodology to, and a byproduct of that is taro and banana. So the banana is obviously can be cooked green as a uh, staple, mm. but it can be left to go ripe to enjoy as a fruit. Yeah, yeah. So you're getting various um, types of carbohydrates there. So you're yeah. you're essentially farming tropical carbohydrates, which is so important yes. for anyone listening. Um, I mean by all means, enjoy your greens. I had some nice greens in my brekkie today, but my plate also had carbs and protein as the main, the yeah. main aspect there. My last podcast was with a nutritionist and we discussed, we discussed macros. So how um, people just really forget to look at their macros when they're eating their carbs, fat, protein, um, and how all are important. And kale doesn't really fill any of those. It will give you some minerals, it's true. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you can get them from your macros too. So I, I like where you're That's coming right. from, that you're focusing on the carbohydrate side of things. And so the output is um, bananas and taro. But There's other passive outputs too, like jackfruit, okay. et cetera. Oh, lovely. Yeah. It's lovely just fruit. the nature of the system to do that. Yeah. Okay. And so, how and one this... of the biggest outputs is, of course, soil carbon and regeneration and increased diversity. Great. So, as far as diversity goes, <laughs> would you have any idea how many species you're growing on that? <clears throat> I actually don't um, because there's too many. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it doesn't really serve me to count. Yeah. I thought that would be the answer, but it's good for people to hear that. Good yep. for people to hear that it, that's how diverse it is. Is that I don't want to count, I can't count, there's too many. That's how diverse it is. Yeah, Compared... I've just got to focus on the process of management and increasing that. That's where my that's my role. Mm. How long has this um, plot been going? One season. Okay, yeah, it's a new so farm. Yep. I did R&D for six to seven years and then I switched switch a over to um, um, making it work in earnest. Yeah, okay, so you're farming on another site and now you've switched to another plot and 
done your first season. Fantastic. That's right. So um, how long from when you hit the ground running, like you were actually on ground on site, to you were harvesting? Well, I have actually pulled a harvest um, not long ago as a byproduct, as a matter of fact, okay. um, and I sold that. Uh, but what what I I uh, am doing at the moment is I'm propagating plants. So what I've do is I need the numbers of planting stocks. So my main focus right now is increasing the diversity of the system, uh, but um, doubling out or tripling out all my planting stock. So I need to cover quite a large area and my planting stock needs to fill out that area. So at the moment, I'm just double, you know, getting cuttings, planting the cuttings, letting the cuttings replicate, triplicate, and, and then planting them out and planting them out and so forth until I hit that critical mass where I'm cropping. But as part of that, I do get a passive yield and I've done my numbers on it. Uh, I haven't got specific numbers, just farmer's numbers when you can drive past and have a look and go, yep, there's that one's going to work. Mm. Uh, and yeah, so I'm, I'm happy. I'm very surprised as a matter of fact at how viable that it is and uh, what I'm getting back from what I'm putting in. But that's that's where I'm at now. So, yeah, I'm very happy, very excited and looking forward to getting better at it. Mm, fantastic. So to give people a little bit of an example, say we drove past a conventional um, banana plantation, we would yeah. pretty much just see banana trees, right? That's right. <laughs> and then there would have to be some inputs to feed that. So if we were walking past like a strip, on your property without being able to name everything, obviously. Give us like just a little, we'll go into our imaginations here and, and I'm walking along with you and I'm like, oh, yeah, Scott, so tell us a little bit about this couple of square metres of species just so people can get a picture in their head of how different it is to a conventional banana plantation with just bananas. What sort of, what would they see? What would we see at the moment if we went for a little walk and talk with you on your farm? Yeah, home? that's a great question. So what... There's two ways to see it. It's to, to see it just as it is at face value, which is a lot of plants in a small area and it continues, you know, the, the plant density is very, very high. Um, that's the first thing you will notice. But the second thing you will notice um, if you look deeper is that you're witnessing species succession. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing many different plants that are moving, that have done their work and are moving out. And you're seeing many, many different plants that are moving in as babies and uh, seedlings, et cetera. So you've got to look through into generations when you look at it. Mm, so you're time. going to see, yeah, it's a very time-related um, thing. So a snapshot, you know, this year is going to look very different than next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you've got the ones that are coming to the end of a cycle. And as the human input, are you sort of helping that along by chopping down and then that's your biomass and then making space for the emerging species. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. So it's a very management-based process. So, yeah, so what we're doing is we are maintaining peak growth constantly, passing from one generation of plants to the next. And as soon as that plant has done its work, we move it out and that becomes biomass to feed the system and it goes through a positive feedback loop continually. Mm, okay. Yeah. And so that biomass to feed the system, that's actually like 
being left right there on site and then microorganisms are doing the job to break that down into to feed that microorganisms and create more organic matter is that right that's exactly right and but i will add that what it does is it feeds the total and the whole which we call a macroorganism oh cool i like that all right i'm gonna Add that into my language repertoire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it starts to carry a lot of weight the more you know and the more you practice it and the more you understand it. Yeah, and a lot of these philosophies, like the holistic management stuff, it's, the language is what helps shift the paradigm and helps create, like, stronger connections in communities because then people have a common language of what they're doing on farm and how to share that with, like, another farmer or share it with other people who are wanting to to farm as well the language is um it's huge it is exactly right it's it's there's a lot of power in that and that is uh what i believe is the basis of the new a new type of culture developing so that kind of leads into something else i want to talk to you about but i would like you to maybe because you've mentioned holistic management a bit maybe give people just a real quick brief um kind of <laughs> a description mm. of what holistic management is and Alan Savory and yep. then a little bit about um, your philosophy on education and the role you're playing in education around all this at the moment. All right. Well, they lead into each other quite nicely. So, mm. uh, well, holistic management is the same in essence as Syntropic Ag. So Syntropic Ag is, um, well, it's... Well, I'll, I'll keep going. The Syntropic Ag is managing ecology to get outcomes, but it's a woodland ecology. Mm-hmm. And there's two major biomes that the humans live in, in on planet Earth, and it's woodland and savanna. So Alan Savory's holistic management, his managed grazing process, is analogous to the Syntropic, um, manage, the syntropic Agricultural Woodland um, model except it's a savanna equivalent so it's exactly the same process of ecological management species succession except the tool is an animal and the the, the process is grass the the, pro, the relationship between predator prey and grass yeah so so by savanna you mean grasslands for people yes exactly yeah. right yeah. savanna or a prairie whatever you like to mm, yeah and yeah, uh, but alan savory's gone on to another level where he realizes that it's basic, it's it's human decision making which ends up um, being the driver of the consequences of what happens to landscapes, and that can lead to all kinds of um, uh, unintended consequences. And he's uh, he's actually tapped the root cause, but he's actually tapped into a cultural issue. And we I don't know we need to steer towards that over time. I think. Mm, okay. Yeah. That the human element of it all. Yes. Yeah, which when I did the degree in ecological agriculture, Kerry Cochrane would teach that as the human ecology side of things. Um, and so did you study holistic management as well? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's key to my, well, to whatever I get right in Syntropic Ag is I owe a lot to that holistic approach, yes. From the human management side of it. Human management, decision-making and yeah. attitude and your poise yeah, wonderful. Yeah, and so that's where the they are the one and the same, really. The regen ag is often used more when we're talking about pasture land, grasslands, savanna lands for 
producing, primarily it gets talked about for producing animal products, protein, meat, um, eggs, dairy, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and then Syntropic, I've noticed, is being used more with the woodland and plant-based, but there are many, many people combining this because animals have always existed in both grasslands and woodlands. Yeah. Uh, and so then we can mimic that. Well, I should combine to, to, you know, we're only in our early days and this is where I put it out to everybody in the world, you know, join us in one form or another because this is just the beginning and we've got a massive future and a huge and a very bright positive future ahead. It all just comes down to what we do. But if you can then combine holistic management and woodland ecology, syntropic ag um, together, you, then you get another hole, which is more than the sum of the parts again, because we use grass a lot in syntropic ag as, through, via species succession. It's an early, uh, very, the grasses are very present in early succession and they're very, very important for, for syntropic ag. But we combine the both and look out. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so for people who are listening, I'm talking succession, it's if you um, – Imagine, and this is just a very rudimentary way to explain it, um, if you cleared a bit of land, so say you came in and like cut all the trees down for forestry or you came and cleared it for something and you just left it, there would be a natural succession of regeneration yes. and often you'll get certain types of species, you'll get your annual short-lived kind of weed, so-called weedy species and then you might get um, more grasses and things like that coming through, and then you're going to start getting. This is um, this is super super simple. It's not yeah, simple. It's but, good. Um, shrubs, trees, that sort of thing. So there's this. That's what when um, Scott says succession, that's that idea of of how an ecosystem will naturally evolve and regenerate itself. So yeah, so grasses are a huge part of syntropic ag. Okay? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, and then. You've got a really, um, like I've listened to a little bit of what you've shared on social media and your talks and things like that. I haven't been to any of your courses, but you've got quite a gift with language and words and education. So I'd love to hear a little bit more um, from you about that. You're obviously really passionate about it and hear a bit about your philosophy and and what you're doing in that um, field of education. Yeah, well, I've tried very, very hard as hard as I can for a long time to share um, anything that I know and uh, the benefits of anything that I've done. And uh, I'm very passionate about that because for what I've seen and what I've done and what I've seen others do, the outcomes are incredibly positive and we can, a rising tide floats all boats. So, you know, it's it's in my interest to to make sure other people's well being is secure. So and vice versa. So it's led me down a bit of a rabbit hole and uh, to find the root cause of how people can uh, the root of how people can shift into into being able to apply in practical real world. Um, terms their 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 good intentions so this is where it comes down to as far as i can teach you how to do this and how to plant that etc 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 but 
um, we do have to unlearn a lot of things before we can, uh, this type of process, in, you know, in, in um, working in a working way. So we have to unlearn first the way we partition understanding and knowledge and process. So we have to become step right back out of the academic mindset. We have to also, um, you know, academic, the, the academic process is very important, but we give it far too much credence uh, as, as, a, as a, you know, our, our culture looks to academia as a god in some way or another, you know. Uh, so we have to step back away from that and look at things holistically and look at ourselves holistically, most importantly, and understand that there's a lot more to us and value those aspects a lot more and spend time sitting in all of the different facets of the human condition of the being a human and, and working that back into um, um, processes. So um, we have to, we need to understand things in our brain first before we do something, which is fair enough. But at the same time, there's things that we don't need to know uh, that we will know. And this is the thing. So be, what I do notice is there's a lot of anxiety about what will happen down the track. Now, you don't ha- know what's going to happen and nor do I. Mm. So we can let that go, but make sure that what we're doing in the present is building as many options as, we, as, as possible in the future. And then we will know at the time what decision to make then because we will have grown it's like the species succession and it's our own personal succession of knowledge and understanding. So attitude is very, very important. And that's the first place that I am now working. And like, as Darren Doherty said, it's the climate of the mind or in holistic management, they say it's the paddock between the ears and uh, in permaculture, it's zone zero. So this is the place we have to start. And so letting go of attitudes, preconceptions, and particularly our anxiety about the future is the, is the place to, you know, let go of that sort of stuff. And I really I quite often refer to the art of war by Sun Tzu. And we have to go to that place of inner superiority where we're not affected. We have to sit in zero and then move forward from that place of, the, like Sun Tzu says, the superior general is not affected by all of these things that he cannot control. Um, so that's the metaphor there. So that's the place we begin. And, and, and it's, a, it's a long journey to let that go. It's a process, but it's also a massive uh, increase in personal growth and quality of life because, you know, there's a lot of – the benefits are holistic, happiness essentially and relationships, everything grows. So that's the place we go for because our relationships with everything around us become more genuine uh, and we become less attached to um, what we want things to do and let them be as they are and then they can serve us in their strongest possible way and that includes other humans. So that's the place where I like to start now and then from there we can go into relaxing into a whole totally new mindset of complexity management rather than linear process processes. So that's the place where I work a lot. And then I step into the technical side of education, the practical side of education and the conversation. And with education, it, it's, it's in ecological processes, it's complexity. 
and you, you it's just steering that into an outcome it's not controlling everything which we've got this inner anxiety which we must control uh no let it go <laughs> immerse <laughs> Interact, Ernst Gost, the originator of Syntropic Agriculture, says that we are part of an intelligent system. So we've got to let go and include ourselves and include that. And so once we do that, we can then start to learn faster and faster and then it gets down. Then we can indulge in our academic knowledge and all of these practical things. But um, that's the first step. But then there's the learning by doing which is super, super important. So again, we go back to that academic bias where if somebody can sit down on a computer and learn how it works academically, they still don't know how to do it. Mm. Or there's a block to actually going and doing it. There's either a block block, to actually going to doing it. Or they don't know, yeah. Or they may understand it very well and do it in a very poor way. And Mm. their outcomes might be actually worst of all because they think they know. But mm-hmm. you can never predict anything in complexity management. So it's part of being included in the present, working in the present and moving forward through space and time and managing complexity. Academia will never let you know what's going on. It's like predicting the weather. You can have a fair idea, but you won't know until the minute. So that's the next step is to, is to work through it that way and learn by doing, being immersed. And this is why it's so good because it includes the whole human, not just our mind or things that we value more than others. You know, so uh, we do that, and then it's the community that's the next part of the learning, which is learning uh, through the conversation. That is a massively powerful part of the understanding because I did lots of courses when I started. Mm. and the same course again and again and again because it's um, you you learn more and more and more because it is a dynamic. It's not a linear process, but it was the conversation around and after and during the courses and the community surrounding it where the consolidation of the knowledge really took place. Mm, interesting. Yeah, it's holistic. Mm. Yeah, those connections, those human connections when you're um, kind of helping all of that knowledge settle in and share that with each other. I've noticed that as well. I've spent years on yeah. permaculture courses and, yeah. Um, yeah, it was really those interactions where a lot of the gems You know, there's no rules. And... There's no rules. Like it's like the, the, the consortium in uh, um, Syntropic Ag is key to the human interface with ecology. And the consortium can be expressed in so many different ways, yet it's a simple thing, a relationship of three elements. But if I give you the three primary colours, what you can do with them is so different to what I do with them. And the possibilities are endless. Mm. And that's how it works. And the, the ability to express is, is limitless. And then what I can learn from you with what you do with those three primary colours or three primary, ele- primary elements of a consortium is so different from what I will do. And then we will learn off each other. And then as that community grows, the complexity of the sophistication will increase. Mm, yeah, so we just really need people out there learning and doing. Yes. And then learning and doing and the constant learning feedback and of that. Sharing. Sharing. Exactly yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Sharing. Yeah, brilliant. Um, so that kind of leads me into, 
I thought it might be cool for people to hear from both a consumer point of view but also for people wanting to get into farming. Um, and I imagine, just to backtrack a little bit, I imagine that you see a bit of um, a difference in people who, and I follow a lot of people into region and syntropic, so people that have come from straight from conventional farming and want to transition into something more holistic Mm -hmm. it's almost a harder mind shift for them than say someone that's come in with no farming background but has a holistic ability to absorb and take on a holistic mindset so I thought it would be cool to hear an example of um, one or a few different farms that you've seen either transition or start from scratch and be quite successful, even if they're still building from the business side of um, things, so that people out there who are thinking about getting into farming, which is more and more and more, um, or for people who want to be more conscious consumers to get an idea of um, the options that are out there and what conversations and questions to have with their farmers when they're looking to consume. Um, so, yeah, have you got any examples of farms that you just think are doing a great job with Syntropic and Regen? Well, what I'll do is I'll first take a step back and um, and I'll, I'll um, both the new person coming in with an open mind into Regen Ag and the farmer making a transition have both got different strengths and weaknesses. Mm. Now, first thing I'll say is farming, no matter what type that you do, is an art. And it requires a certain type of psychology to be able to handle. Now, farming, doesn't matter if it's syntropic or conventional farming, it will throw curveballs at you left, right and centre every single day. You cannot... Guarantee you can go out with a list of things to do on one day and then you'll have anything can happen. Mm. And this is the nature of farming and it will, and, and to be at terms with that and understand that as a normal thing is a huge psychological advantage. What I've noticed with people that move with the, an open mind into farming is that the complexity of the, 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 the world of real of reality can really rattle them so <laughs> yeah. really big time i've seen people psychologically get shaken out mm. because um and then there's the issue of accountability where the new person who doesn't have any farming experience but is open to all things they often are challenged with accountability so If something doesn't work, which they're convinced that does work due to the academic bias, um, starts to happen, they look for blame or excuses or reasons why it didn't work instead of just accepting that it didn't work and it's a lesson to apply and to put in your toolbox and understand it as an experience Mm. and get better and better and better. So, again, it's back to the psychological aspect again, right? So Mm. I would put that the pe- people with the most um, the, the most ability there's two the two from both camps there's two types of persons that will win that will win and they are the one from the newbies the ones coming into farming with the open mind those that are 
very, very highly accountable and understand that uh, they anything that goes wrong, there's a reason is not a, it, it's, 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 a, it's part of the process. And they have the poise to be able to absorb that and then see it as a lesson, adjust, change and adapt. Mm. They will win. Those that find that what they expected to work doesn't work, which I guarantee you is going to happen, and who get challenged by that and have trouble accepting that they lack accountability, they won't win. They will find other things to do or I don't know. Then on the farming side of things, you will find that there are the farmers that are in a sort of a, um, they want to, um, everything to work the way they want it to work um, and they don't accept any other thing. You know, if it worked for them, it works for me, it works for my grandfather, they're going to do it the same way, you know, come hell or high water, you know, that sort of thing. Mm. Then there's the other farmer who goes, okay, you know, because we, we don't, our culture doesn't revere farmers as much as they should. No. no now, yeah, what, yeah. what we will see is a situation where farmers in, innately understand things without being conscious of it. And what they will do is as soon as you package these ecological phenomena into a new uh, framework of understanding, they click with it almost immediately. Yeah. And then they will go out the next day and see everything differently and then reapply it. But the most important thing that they have is the art of farming, which allows them to work within that complexity and unpredictability and then steer it into outcome. And that is the strength. 80% of, the, of your success will come down to what's going on in your head and how you react to things. The rest of it, the methodology, will make up the, the, the last 20%. Mm. And this is in regards to success. So I had to cover that part, sorry, before we went into the question. No, no, but, it's good. Yeah, important. Um, so could you please repeat that question again so it's fresh in my mind and yeah, I can yeah. answer it <laughs> as succinctly as possible. I bundled two in there. Sorry about that. So um, an example or two of some um, farms out there that are successful from implementation but also outputs of food um, and business-wise, um, yeah, just to give people a few examples of, um, of what that looks like real world from farm to, to plate. Yes, well, look, it's too early for that type of balance sheet type of stuff. But what we're doing is we're seeing um, the new people coming from the other side who are converting over to Regen Ag have to go through the hard experience of becoming a good farmer. Now, they're still going through that process as far as I know. There are uh, Jane and um, Neville from Tolga up in North Queensland are doing great with bananas with Syntropic Ag. They're doing a good job. Petals Farm, it's called. Um, now, the rest of the people that I work with, um, I'm seeing these things starting up. So like me, I've got good numbers, but I'm still going getting into the point. This is brand new. This is yeah. all brand new, this space. Yeah. Um, they're going, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going pretty well. I'm pretty happy. And in a couple of years, you can, I'll, I, yeah, I'm definitely going to double the size of my operation. Um, 
and but the 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 biggest potential I'm seeing is in farmers that are taking it on, those that are coming from holistic management and are starting to see through that prism of their their understanding of ecology, they're starting to see the power of trees in the landscape. They understand species succession and natural processes through their uh, education with holistic management, and they're starting to work with trees and bring that into their livestock operations. Mm. I'm very excited with that space. Plus, I'm working with some large broadacre farmers out west that are starting to look at putting tree lines into their wheat and grain crops this is the place that i see the growth you know i really see that the bottom line of farming is going to be lifted and supported by that ecological function added by trees so that's where we're at i think uh otherwise outside of that anybody selling you know oh misty creek agroforestry i was gonna say yeah misty creek i was gonna mention that because yeah the young um crew there so they're doing tree change chicken which i think is a cool name yeah. um and then they're doing the syntropic woodland side of things too they've had so a rough, tom's a holistic rough manager to... as well okay great and so that really gives them a good foundation of holistic directing that full power of the landscape into outcomes instead yeah. of isolating little pieces and doing a little market garden or something like that and largely yeah. ignoring the whole power of the landscape and ecology around you Yes, yeah, yeah. And they've had a rough, they've had a few setbacks with the floods, so it would be interesting to see um, where they go moving forward. And that's normal in farming. Totally. That's right, exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Especially where they're located, the northern rivers. Yeah, if you're not located in a flood zone, you're probably going to get a drought. Exactly. You know, God knows. You you just don't. (laughs) What happens is you go into, you you fire, yeah, you, but look, this is normal. We're strong. We're amazing things humans are amazing things once we let go of trying to control all outcomes and roll with it and then manage and direct we are very amazing species really when we bring yes. out we really are and i think it's good to reframe that because we get a lot of slack for all the crap things that humans do and have done but it's good to reframe our amazingness and tap into that and focus on that exactly we just got to let go of trying to control everything yes yep yep Awesome, Scott. Well, I feel like, um, yeah, that's going to be a lot for people to absorb and a great start and yeah, good to get people's minds ticking over and thinking there um, about it all. So you you run some courses, you do some consulting. Um, do you want to share a little bit with us about where people can find you, what you offer and um, anything else that you might have coming up? Yeah, well, I'm... Um, I'm always trying to find out the, and develop the best ways to share and learn. So um, the, it's a brand new area and a brand new space. And even the teaching and learning is brand new. So we're always developing it and improving it. So what I've found is I, I run a, uh, an online platform. You can find me at syntropia.com.au uh, and you will find that I've got a, a, um, an online platform platform an online community called the syntropic workshop and that's global i've got people from all over the world i've actually got someone joined yesterday from lithuania we've got georgia iran india um, indonesia malaysia south america australia uk portugal united states and it goes on but um we're we're an online community it's a premium subscription based platform it 
keeps the information clean and of a high quality. It's not very expensive. It's only the cost of two beers per week. But <laughs> what it does is it, the increasing quality is, is, is there. So, But what it does is it's got online courses embedded in it but it's also a community and a forum and that's where the consolidation and the conversation is. And so I, that's, that's a big part of it. But what I'm doing is I'm starting a new type of teaching, which is um, I'm getting four farms starting from zero and I'm recording and I'm teaching from the get go and managing and then ch- going from zero woe to go, go to woe um, all the way through and video, putting it into chapters of seasons and so you can follow the whole journey and then have the conversation. And what it does is it encourages the conversation. So I can talk technical in the video. I'm going to plant this high strata with this low strata, but it's also going to be with this emergent, but the life cycles separate them and and then continually go, but not explain exactly the theory behind it and that I will direct into the conversation. So it's a different, it's a more of a learning visual conversation based learning rather than the technical type of learning. Fantastic. That sounds great. So that's what I'm teaching at the moment. Um, uh, yeah. So that's, and, and I do, I'm going to be doing more and more face to face courses now that that whole COVID things moved out of our face. Mm. And so it's, um, the open the way is open again for more group meetups and i've just delivered a course in kandanga up near in the mary valley that was really really good i really enjoyed that and yeah like at least half of those people were farmers and that was yeah you can just really see that farmers are the ones really leading the change but they're a lot more quiet Mm. but their Mm -hmm. outcomes are very strong so yeah it's just fantastic but anything that you need to know uh just jump on my website um yeah centropia.com.au and um sign up for updates etc and just follow me through there i'm also on youtube scott hall agroforestry um yeah but you know i'm easy to find i think you know if you want to pay attention Yes, you are. Yeah, cool. And I'll put all those links in the show notes. I'll pop the website. Oh, um, yeah, I always do that. I'll pop your YouTube and your Instagram channel. And for anyone listening, Scott does share um, quite a lot of good stuff on social media, I think, through, I think it's on your Facebook page maybe. Um, you're always doing little lives and things like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. It's fun. Have a bit of a chat. Well, that was fantastic. Thanks so much for your time. I think that's a great start for people to start opening their minds and, and um, yeah, starting to understand this new language of talking about syntropic and regen ag. Well, it's brand new. Uh, we're just beginning and the potential uh, is just so exciting. Yeah, it really is. So we've got mutual contact, Zoe and Shmoo, uh, yeah. at a tree farm and, and they're doing um, regen ag with their beef and stuff as well. But it's I'm excited. I've been, they just live up the road from me and they're really starting to get more hands on the ground with this entropic side of things. So I'm looking forward to watching that real life. And, um, yeah, I love it. Can't wait to oh. get on some more land myself, hopefully soon. <laughs> and I, I just like to take an opportunity uh, to thank you, Shelley, for your interest and your, 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 um, your, what you do to share all of this but i'd also like to take 
the opportunity to, to thank everybody out there for their part, their interest in the role that they are playing and that they will play. We need you. Thank you. Oh, perfect. Yeah, it's really important for people to realise that they we all play an important role. Thanks yeah. so much, Scott. My pleasure. Anytime. Thanks for your energy and time listening. I hope you gained something from this podcast. All the links from the show are in the show notes. Please share with friends and family if you think there may be something here for them. Till next time, many blessings.